This is Jim Jordan, Trevor McGee. Oh, my gosh. Where's my hammer? Where's my tool? i got to make a trap. Where's my screwdriver? I'll I don't know, Mr. McGee. I'm just a gift here. Oh, I know. I left right here in the hall park. No, don't open that door, McGee. This is Jack Benny talking. Uh, this is Charlie McCarthy. My name is... Say hello. Oh, hello. This is Jimmy Durante. <clears throat> Poison. Mr. Allen. Well, of all people, Portland. Hi, this is Bob Hope in the Golden Days of Radio. This is George Burns with Frank Brzee on the Golden Days of Radio. And this is Frank Brzee. You know, I've been producing the Golden Days of Radio since those famous radio days. Over the years, my program was heard on radio stations KFI, KMPC, and KGIL in Los Angeles. For several years, it was heard coast-to-coast on the Mutual Broadcasting System. And for 29 years, around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Service. Over the years, most of the radio greats have been a guest on my program. And in addition, we featured excerpts of their performances from my recorded library, one of the biggest private libraries in the country. For the next few minutes, I'm presenting some radio memories. You know, the most famous of all radio shows was the War of the Worlds broadcast with Orson Welles. This is what Mr. Welles told me. Now, when you and Howard Koch and the rest of the staff were putting the show together, did you say, well, this will really get them, this will really scare the pants off of everybody? Yes, but we didn't think it would get them that much or that many. Uh You know, this was uh, done for the benefit of a certain lunatic fringe. (laughs) We didn't realize the uh, extent of the fringe, which included some good friends of mine. The first actor to play the shadow was Orson Welles. But for the last dozen years the program was on the air, Brett Morrison played the part. The show was heard every Sunday at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Can you do the shadow voice? I know we don't have a, a, a carbon microphone. No, well, I worked in an isolation booth over a filter microphone, so it, you know, it sounded almost a little bit like a telephone voice would sound, but uh-huh. uh, I might be able to approximate it. I don't know. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> It's that laugh that really nobody can can do that laugh like the real shadow. Now a few minutes with some of the radio personalities who have joined me at this microphone. The most famous afternoon adventure shows with Jack Armstrong and Charles Flynn was the lead. Jack Armstrong, as I said, was one of the best remembered shows and they still talk about it today and remember it today as uh, the most famous adventure show, I guess. I guess, yes, it really was. As a matter of fact, it's amazing. I have seen cartoons and magazines to this day that refer to Jack Armstrong. Uh-huh. Saw a New Yorker cartoon, oh, just a couple of months ago. Had a couple of old fellows sitting around a bar reminiscing, and one of them saying to the other one, Jack Armstrong wouldn't have done it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many people remember. Fred Foy was the most famous announcer of The Lone Ranger. For for our Golden Days of Radio audience, would you do the opening of that show you did for so many years? All right, Frank. A fiery horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high silver. The Lone Ranger. Here's Jim Jordan. He was Fibber McGee. I've got an old script here, an old Fibber McGee and Molly script from 1948, where you did uh, this kind of an alliteration thing. And if, if you do it, I think all our listeners would like to hear it. So let's read from right about there, okay? 
Let's talk about the time I was in the seesaw business back in Sioux City for the... You in the seesaw business? You mean I never told you about when I sold seesaws for the seesaw company that old man Seymour had in Sioux City? You never did. Well, Frank, I will. You see, I was a senior seesaw salesman for the Seymour Seesaw Company, and I sold saws on the side. When I'd start out with a sample seesaw and a sack full of saws, I'd sell the other saw salesman silly. Because I was as saucy a seesaw salesman as the other saw salesman ever saw. I could sell you a two-buck buck saw that would outsaw any buck saw you ever saw a young buck saw with, and for six bucks, I'd sell you a saw buck to saw with a buck saw on. I sold so many saws and seesaws that I got saw sick for saw selling and seasick for seesaw selling, and between the seesaw selling and the seesaws and the seasick seesaw sales and the saw sick salesman and the buck saw saw buck, and I never did. Jack Benny was number one on the radio for many years. And, of course, everyone would like to know a little bit about your famous feud with comedian Fred Allen. How did that begin? Well, this feud with Fred Allen started by accident. A lot of people imagine that we planned a feud like this, but if you'd have planned it, it wouldn't have been successful. Uh The feud started with a little 10-year-old boy who played a violin solo. And when he got through, Alan made derogatory remarks about my violin playing. So I answered him on my show, knowing he would listen to it. And he knew I was always listening to his show, so he then answered me. And this went on week after week until we got into the feud. And we were into the feud, I would say, seven or eight months before we even discussed it with each other over the phone about what to do next. Mm -hmm. That's why it was a successful feud. It would never have been any other way. Now Blank was Bugs Bunny, but he was also famous on radio. We come to one of the big shows that you did, uh, the Jack Benny program, and you started with Jack, I guess, in the early uh, years. 1940, I started with Jack. You know, Jack had had heard me on uh, the cartoons, and uh, he had a bear in his basement watching his his, uh, vault, you know, and uh, it was called Carmichael. And he called me in and asked me if I could do the growl of a bear. Mm-hmm. So I did the growl of a bear for six months. That's all I did was the growl of a bear. Finally, I said, you know, Mr. Benny, I can also talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, he slapped the table, as he usually does, you know, when he laughs. And uh, he said, I'll have the writers write something in for you. And they uh, always tried to stick me with a, some kind of a crazy sound effect that they thought I couldn't do. And one was uh, uh, an English horse. An English horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see, they were going to uh, Epsom Downs in England to the racetrack. And uh, on the script, it said, Mel Blank does an English horse. You know, how the hell can you tell what kind of nationality horse is? <laughs> but I didn't say no. When it came to that spot, I thought I'd do an English horse. And he sounded a little like this. <laughs> Walter Winchell was radio's most dynamic newscaster. Would you create for me and our listeners the opening of your Sunday night newscast? Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. North and South America and all the ships at sea. Let's go to press. Flash, Washington, and then whatever. Where did that opening come from, Walter? From me. Where do you think it came from? The excitement of the oscillator when that... That would set the pace for me. And uh, like a race horse and trying to break the barrier and get going uh, to get that staccato machine gun tempo. Oh, Ben Grower was once asked by Time magazine... Uh, Did anybody ever clock this guy? How fast does he talk? And Ben said he clocked it once at 225 words a minute for the first three minutes. Then came 
like that. And uh, Mr. and Mrs. United States. Jay Justin, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. That's a familiar voice, and you were in radio for... Uh, 35 years or so. Oh, my goodness, I believe it was that long. <laughs> and uh, you were really part of the golden days of radio. Yes, I was very fortunate in that, I think. What was the most famous program you did? Mr. District Attorney. Oh, yeah, we're going to get to that later, but uh, do me a favor and do all our listeners a favor. Do the sure. opening of that program, would you? <laughs> well, uh, the program opened uh, with, the, uh, with the announcer saying, Mr. District Attorney... Champion of the people, defender of truth, guardian of our fundamental rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Then I used to give the oath of office, which was... And it shall be my duty as district attorney, not only to prosecute to the limit of the law all persons accused of crimes perpetrated within this county, but to defend with equal vigor the rights and privileges of all its citizens. Mae West made relatively few radio appearances, but when she did, everyone listened. Miss West, during the less broad-minded days of the 20s and 30s, when you were a stage star, you were arrested and jailed several times, and so you have some court experience. What do you think of the jury system? Fine for most cases, but for uh, some cases, I prefer the judge alone. <laughs> Thank you very much, Miss West. It's been a pleasure to have answered the most beckoning of calls to come up and see you. Well, come up again sometime, anytime, and I'll tell you fortune. <laughs> In addition to hundreds of radio bloopers which I presented over the years, no doubt the most famous was the one made by announcer Harry Von Zell. Harry, People are always talking about fluffs and muffs and mistakes on radio. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, I know we'll just embarrass you just a little bit, but uh, I guess you hold the record for the all-time greatest goof on radio. Well, uh, at the time it happened, uh, I thought it was the, the end uh, of a not-too-promising career. Actually, it was just um, one of those things... Um, the network had decided they wanted to do something special and uh, they had tried to think of something and all of a sudden it, it came to mind that the birthday of the president, uh, Herbert Hoover at that time, was, was coming in the not too distant future. So they decided that they would uh, dedicate an entire evening of, of all-star radio entertainment to the president on his, on his birthday. Now, the uh, the writers, the staff there at CBS, combined their talents to prepare about a seven-and-a-half-page review of Herbert Hoover's life, which was really a, 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 a eulogy, a, a tribute, uh, beginning of the, Herbert Hoover, the young child in, in elementary school, already evidencing the the qualities of competitiveness and leadership and so on, and then on and on, Herbert Hoover this, Herbert Hoover that. And I was extremely nervous. I was uh, very young and hadn't been on the staff a very long time. I don't know yet how I drew that assignment. And um, I entered the studio in a, in a, in a, in a state of trance uh, because I was so frightened. And I had memorized that every every word, every comma of that uh, seven-and-a-half-page bit of work. 
And I, I found no breath. I found nothing. The studio was crowded. They put chairs in there. The governor of the state was there. Jimmy Walker was there. The, uh, Paley, the president of the network, my boss, with uh, all in, in white tie and tails and ladies resplendent in evening gowns. And I simply, as I climbed the stairs to go into the studio, I stopped and said to myself, I can't, no way. And then the man opened the door <laughs> and said, five seconds. <laughs> I had delayed that long sitting out there trying to pull myself together. Now, uh, there was no, had there been a fanfare of music, any introduction at all, but there wasn't, just the finger from the control room which said, you talk. And I started to talk, and it was as if I were disembodied, and it was like I was standing over here listening to somebody, you know, saying these words. And as I listened, uh, and it went on and on, I began to feel, well, this fellas he's doing pretty good. He didn't get any frogs in his throat. He hasn't muffed a, a word or anything so far. But still, it was... Uh, it was like a dream. And then I came down to the finish. I only had one line left. And this was, this is our way of expressing to you, Mr. President, the, the extent of our admiration, our love, and our esteem. And we want you to know that this is being uh, broadcast by shortwave throughout the world. And I'm sure people in other countries like us will wish you, as we do, Happy birthday to our president, Heber, Heber, ooh, 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 over, <laughs> it will be, and that was gone. <laughs>